This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Matt Bovey here, joined, as always, by Sal Capaccio from WGR 550. We hope that you had a very nice holiday. We understand the circumstances were not like any of us had anticipated. First and foremost, we hope that you're safe right now, that you and your loved ones were able to you know, get through this storm because we know it's just taken a, a really, really massive toll on our community. Sal, you know, the Bills, they always seem to be a distraction, but I think this weekend, more than any, they were a much-needed distraction for a lot of people, especially on Saturday back in Buffalo, who all they could do was either watch the game on TV or even listen on the radio if they didn't have power. Yeah, and obviously um, sharing those same sentiments, um, you know, hopefully everybody out there is safe and your loved ones are safe. And I know that everybody's trying to do their best. It's the city of good neighbors. Look out for each other. There's been some incredible stories about people helping each other. And, you know, we know that that's the case in Buffalo when things like this happen. So hopefully everybody is, um, you know, digging out as best they can and being as safe as they can. And um, we appreciate them listening here. And if we can provide any sort of distraction to what's going on uh, while you're at home or whatever, we appreciate that. And thank you so much for downloading, subscribing and all of that kind of stuff. In the meantime, with the game last weekend, it could definitely act as that in a lot of different ways. We've talked about that over the years with a lot of different scenarios, and this was another one of them. Uh, the Bills, they go to Chicago, they win, tw- uh, they score 29 points in the second half. Didn't look good in the first half, but I think afterwards people kind of give a sigh of relief and said, okay, um, that was a that was a bit of a nail-biting couple hours, but they pulled it out in the end and felt a lot better when it was all said and done. And of course, now they still sit with the number one seed in the overall AFC, and they have to get to the finish line here over the next two weeks, which we'll talk about with the Bengals coming up next week in a huge game, obviously. But for this game, Matt, um, I thought, you know, the struggle in the first half, um, obviously not being able to move the ball very much in offense, missing some points. But in the second half, they look like the Buffalo Bills that we've seen 
more often than not over the last two years. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. But before we talk about the game, I got to know how cold was it in Chicago? Because so I'm dealing with everything back in Buffalo. I did not go. I know we talked about it on the podcast last week. Shout out to my boss, Aaron. He's our news director. He called me on Monday of last week and was like, listen, this weather's going to stink. You can make the decision, but I just don't want you to get stuck and not be home for the holiday. Now we were thinking of that at that point, not from a safety issue. We were just thinking of like, Oh, like human, like, Hey, they played on Halloween. They played on Thanksgiving. I don't want you to be away from your family. Well, it turns out I was still away from my family because of the storm, but lucky I was able to hunker down with my wife at the house. So what was it like in Chicago and what was the travel all like? So let's go rewind back to the week before the game on Wednesday. We all started thinking, is this possible? We could wind up having to leave early because remember we'd be leaving Friday for mm-hmm. a Saturday game. We were thinking, and you know, people are texting each other, f- trying to find out I'm part of the travel party with the radio broadcast team. But of course, you know, I'm taking my cues from the team itself because we're traveling with them. So we're kind of all in communication. What's going on. And people are like, we're, we're waiting to see, we don't know. They're trying to figure out what the weather they're in touch with the meteorologist government, all that kind of stuff. By the time we got to Thursday, Got wind on Thursday morning that it looked like we were going to leave sometime on Thursday. So it was more of a, okay, we think we know the timing of it, but be ready whenever because there might be a window. We got to get out of here. Then, and that was kind of scrambling around. In the in the, in the meantime, you know, I'm you you got things planned throughout the day that you have to kind of now you have to get your gear and everything. Then you have to think, Matt. Well, okay, I'm there for a couple of nights. And then you think, what if we can't get back because of the storm? That started creeping in already and thinking about it. So all that stuff's going through your head. You know, obviously we get to uh, Chicago Thursday, spend Thursday night there. Friday becomes a normal kind of a Friday travel day, although you're already there instead of traveling on Friday. And then Saturday's the game. You want to talk about how cold it was? My goodness. Yeah. I would tell you, it, maybe the actual temperature of the Patriots playoff game, Matt, was lower. I'm not sure, but there's no way it was colder, if that makes sense. Yeah. This game at kickoff was nine degrees with a wind chill of negative 12. Um, and then the winds were whipping at 26 miles an hour at kickoff. It was incredibly cold, so cold that when I walked out of the tunnel to go on the field, I couldn't see because I couldn't keep my eyes open because the wind was whipping my face so hard that I was started. My eyes were watering and I, and you know, you've ever had that, that whiplash. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, luckily I had brought ski goggles with me that I've never worn for games, but I bought after the 2017 snow game for Mm. snow. For blowing snow. I brought them just because I thought there'd be blowing snow. Never thought I'd have to wear them because of wind. I had to wear them the whole game. In the meantime, I had four layers on in the bottom, four or five layers on in the top. Incredibly cold, doing what you can to kind of stay warm during the game. It was the coldest game that I've ever been a part of personally. And I know that um, it could not have been fun playing out there and getting hit, trying to throw footballs, trying to take snaps, anything like that. It was, it, it was something that I would think you couldn't even play football in, to be honest with you. But of course they did. So that, and then, so how much of an impact did the weather you think have on the game itself? Like throwing the ball. I know one of the things we'll talk about was from Josh Allen's perspective. And it was really interesting because after the game, he basically said the two interceptions, the first one inexcusable. It was a bad decision. I threw it to Isaiah McKenzie and double coverage that one. I can't let happen. The second one. Now it looked bad on the broadcast, but he said after the game, he was like, I was trying to dump it off to James cook. And I tried to take so much off of it that the ball sailed in the wind. And he's like, I can kind of live with that mistake because it was just a little bit of bad execution. It wasn't a bad decision. So like, did the weather really impact the throwing game and kind of like the game plan itself? 
Oh, I would say it did from that standpoint. There were times where it was gusting over 30 miles an hour. And if you Jeez, that's, threw the that's ball, tried to, right, you tried to kick the ball. Think about, um, how about this? I'll give you a couple examples. I mean, Josh obviously has such a strong arm, right? That he can, he could throw through the wind, but how about that one right there? Like, you, you know, he, the, the wind kind of takes it him having to decide if he should throw more on it, less on it. And we even said in the radio broadcast, Eric Wood said, you can't really fire fastballs in this, in this condition because the ball is slick. It's so cold that when guys go to catch it, you got to make sure they can be able to catch it. So that was part of it. But the other, I think it impacted special teams immensely. You had Tyler Bass missing a field goal and an extra point, which rare for him, especially inside of 40 yards, you know, missing a field goal. He did that. Now I know that Cairo Santos was fine, but you never know what was going to happen. But Matt, the punting game, like, I don't know why Naeem Hines let one punt go and then it all of a sudden bounced all the way back. But I think it's because the wind was playing tricks with it up there. And then the bills had one that they let go and the wind kept blowing it, but they blew it dead actually before they should have. But you could see how that was impacting everything. And then on the kickoffs, you know, I write arrow up arrow down every week after the game on our website, WGR 550com And I gave an arrow down to the kick coverage unit. Well, part of it was because they had to kick shorter than they thought. And I mean, though, yeah. I think they were trying to kick longer. It went shorter and it allowed some opportunities in the kicking game. So I think the special teams was completely impacted. And I do think that the game plan was in fact impacted on offense uh, for both teams because of how it was maybe at certain times you couldn't throw the ball the way you wanted to. Yeah, and just sitting there watching the game on TV, it felt like every possession, the Bills were losing the field position kind of yes, battle the yes. entire time. It start, right. Every time the Bears got the ball, they had great field position. Every time the Bills had the ball, it felt like they were like kind of going in an uphill battle. And that was a big storyline in the first half when they only scored six points. I think that was a big reason why. Now, luckily for them, they snapped out of it. The offense started to kind of really cook. Thanks to James Cook mm-hmm. and Devin Singletary. See what I did there? I, so, I, I did, yes. Uh, so I think that, you know, all things considered, and it's something that Josh said after the game. So also shout out, they had player availability because there were so many people who couldn't get to Chicago. So when I'm saying like, oh, this is what they said after the game, we were on a Zoom call with the players, almost kind of like the COVID years after the game. So we could still talk to everybody, which was nice. But he said after the game, like, don't feel like we played our best but we scored 35 points and we had over 400 yards of total offense. So it's hard to, you know, really be super critical of the performance that we had. And and I kind of agree. I think that they started slow, but it was a lot of self-inflicted wounds. And then in the second half, they kind of woke up and they remembered like, okay, we're one of the best teams in the NFL. Let's, let's start to play like it. And um, let's talk about how they did that both on offense and defense. It's always game day in Buffalo. <laughs> 